it's April 20th, 2008, and this is The Candid Frame. Jay Kinghorn, and Jay is an Olympus visionary photographer, as well as the co-author of Perfect Digital Photography, one of the better photo books that are out there. And believe me, I've seen a lot of photo books. I had a lot that passed uh, passed over my desk many a time, but this is one of the few books that I ever bothered to read cover to cover. It's that good. Uh, the images are great, but I felt that the the text and the information was just a real pleasure to read. And I always like uh, picking up books just to serve as a sort of a refresher course for me. But this book, I actually really took a lot of pleasure in reading. It didn't take me very long to get through the whole thing. And uh, I really recommend it to anyone out there who is always interested in finding a good book on photography. But the reason I asked Jay to come uh, on board is, is just because I think he's a great guy. Um, I love his approach to photography. I love his images. And I just think that, you know, anytime that I have an opportunity to, to share through my show uh, with, with my listeners um, an opportunity to meet not only a great photographer, but, but to a person who I think really embraces what photography can mean to their lives I do that and I think Jay is a perfect example of that so sit back and enjoy our conversation with Jay King I was was listening to this uh, lecture by Nicholas Negroponte who was sort of the head of the one laptop per child project and uh, he was talking about this village in Cambodia where they'd set it up and the kids in Cambodia had never used a phone, and all they knew for communication was Skype. Really? Talk about a, just a, a paradigm shift. Yeah, they had uh, the the laptops that they had installed in their house were the brightest light source in the house in the evening, and so everyone would be kind of clustered around the, the laptop for their you know for their light and for their information. And here it was this this rural village in Cambodia that had you know probably rudimentary structures for a home, if anything, you know, at least from when I was there, and very little infrastructure. And here they were, they were connected to the world through Skype and email and the internet. And it, it's just one of those, it's, it's kind of jarring, but you really understand how important all of this is. It's not just a, a tool that makes it easy for us to get, get a hold of one another, but really empowers people that ordinarily wouldn't have a voice. That's mind-blowing. It's amazing times that we live in. Absolutely. There's a there's a presentation. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called "Did You Know?" And it was it was originally started as a presentation to get uh, school administrators, actually here in Colorado, to kind of think about globalization and the changing world. And it's since been viewed, you know, well over 150 million times. But it has a lot of really good statistics, sort of. A, did you know that uh, if MySpace were a country, it would be the eighth largest country in the world? Um, talks about the, uh, you know, if you're one in a million in China, there are 1,300 people just like you. Those kinds of things that really make you pause and think about what a changing world we live in and uh, 
they, they talk about living in exponential times, and I, I really think that that's true. Let's start with how this all began for you, because I, I, this is that, that point right now is something I want to get back to. But let's let's begin at the beginning for you. And I know that your interest in photography began as a result of of postcards. Yeah, you know, I, my my mom always collected postcards, and when we were young, she would kind of take my brother and I to these postcard shows, and I really was interested in, in uh, being an astronaut at that point, you know, when you're seven or eight years old. And uh, so I started collecting postcards from the early rocket launches and the space missions from NASA. And I think just in general that, uh, combined with my mom's interest in art, really got me thinking visually and got me excited about photography, although it wasn't until much later that I actually got involved with you know having a camera and taking pictures and how did that happen you were were you in college when you started picking up the camera yeah i was attending college at the university of colorado at boulder and uh, i kind of like to joke that that my major was religious studies and comparative religion but my minor was rock and alpine climbing and every chance i had my friends and i would be out exploring and playing in the mountains here in Colorado or taking a trip to the desert southwest and just seeing what the what the natural environment has to offer and so photography was a way to share those experiences that I was having with people who ordinarily wouldn't have the opportunity to go see that themselves you know it's it's funny that you mentioned what you were studying because I just finished uh interviewing Freeman Patterson uh-huh. who had a, a master's in theology and had been studying along those lines and then ended up using sort of photography um, as a way of, of exploring not only the visual world, but sort of the spiritual world as well. And I think in speaking to you uh, the previous times, particularly at this last PMA, that, that you see photography in much the, the very same way. Yeah, absolutely. I think that photography is a wonderful tool to force you to slow down and really look at things and not look at the external appearance of things but study the light and the shapes and the colors and really get a deeper understanding for what that that object is or that landscape or who that person is uh, much deeper than we normally do on a, on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because I know that you, you teach photography, you teach all this you know, stuff about digital and, and you know, Photoshop and all these sort of technical things, and you've written a book uh, about all that stuff. But whenever I sit down and talk with you, it's always about seeing. It's always about the experience of, of photography. And it's, it's one of the reasons I, I, I love your book and I love having the chance to talk to you because in so many conversations with other people who are in the same field as, as you are doing much of the same thing it always tends to lean on you know what's happening with the latest version of photoshop or the latest piece of camera and it seems like all the equipment for you is it's important but it's really secondary to what you're trying to achieve with with the work right from the way that i i, I take it from my perspective is that it's all about communicating this this idea visually, and the 
what really gets me excited about the technology and why I love my job of teaching and consulting and training is that I get to share this gift of the technology that allows a, a visual artist like you know you and I to take our ideas one step further than we could before so that now in Photoshop I can go in and I can really tell you what I want you to see in this picture by adjusting the sharpness, adjusting the saturation, the contrast, the burning and dodging. But what it boils down to is that it allows me to speak to you more clearly through my photographs. And that's what gets me excited. You've talked about that you had a trip to Cambodia that was really sort of a turning point for you um, in terms not only about image making, but what you wanted to express with your photographs. Tell me about that, that trip and, and what was the awakening for you? Well, the trip was right after college. I spent four and a half months traveling in Southeast Asia, and we spent a month in Cambodia, a month in Laos, and a month in Thailand. And it was it was really a formative trip on a number of different levels. You know, first being that I was I was able to see and experience the cultures, uh, Buddhist cultures that I had been studying in in the university. But then even more that I was in this really visually rich place, a wonderful place with no place, nowhere that I had to be, no time deadlines, and I could just spend time working on my photography and exploring and just seeing what was around the next corner. And Cambodia really stood out to me because when I was there, I was learning about the, the Khmer Rouge and the genocide that had occurred there. And it really made me angry because here I was, I thought I was, uh, you know, an educated, uh, enlightened individual, so to speak, but had never heard about this. And I'd never been taught about what happened in schools. And, uh, and I wanted to, I, I felt like as a responsible citizen in, in today's culture, I needed to know what was happening and why this, this genocide was occurring in Cambodia and still happens in, you know, Bosnia and Rwanda and the Sudan. So from that perspective, I saw that photography was a way that I could I could bring some images back that would be really compelling to share this with my friends and family. But then also, in to take that even one step further, the Cambodian people that I met, they they may not have had anything in the material sense. There, there might be a rickshaw driver that slept in the back of his bicycle and had one set of clothes and had no savings account or bank account or uh, 401k, anything like that. But this was a person who had a very high level of dignity and a gentleness and a simplicity that, that was evident in their face and, and evident uh, in their eyes. And that was just something that really impressed me, that they had something that so often we lack in in a Western culture. And so that was uh, just a real awakening of how much richness there is in the world and it's not a material richness it's it's just the way that you live your life and carry yourself and interact with others how do you differentiate that that sort of line between or or maybe there isn't a line at all between making a photograph that's aesthetically pleasing to your eye that really just sort of satisfies you and creating an image that really expresses something personal that really sort of conveys that, that that sense of 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 
I don't want to say importance. I, I'm, I'm lacking the, the the right word for it, but just a sense of maybe a bit of urgency in in in, in that. Maybe do you understand what I'm trying to go? For? Yeah, I, I think it depends on what story you're trying to tell with your pictures, and really. In many respects, I think every time you pick up a camera, you're telling a story both about what you're seeing but also about yourself because what you choose to include or exclude is dependent upon you and the way that you see the world. And so I think it's a, photography is a personal journey where you're sharing your vision, your idea, even yourself consciously or subconsciously with the world. So whether you make a photograph that's aesthetically pleasing or somewhat jarring or evocative or, or provocative, that really depends on the idea and the intent that you bring to the photograph. And, you know, maybe that's been influenced by the, uh, the, the Buddhist teachings that I, I've had where more than anything, the intent that you bring to an action is more important than the action itself. Hmm. Tell me about you know, after that trip from Cambodia and you began your career as, as, as a photographer, what were some of the things that um, you ended up doing and how much of a challenge was it for you to be able to express something personal at a, at a time where you're really trying to build your career where, where all the assignments that you get don't necessarily allow you to, to be able to do just that? How did you set out? How, did you, how was that for you? Well, getting started... Uh, you know, as as you know, and probably all of the listeners know, it's you kind of take what you can get, and you're still working on developing your own ideas and your own identity. But certainly, when it's that real formative years, you're taking almost anything that will give you a paycheck. And so, I did a bunch of different things. I did some magazine work for a local travel and tourism magazine, actually one of my first photo assignments from them was to go photograph Rocky Flats, which was a, a facility that produced uh, weaponized plutonium during the, uh, during the Cold War, and it had been decommissioned and was being dismantled. And so my article was on what the future of that site would be, and it was, it was very strange to be invited to come tour the plant as though I was going to tour a you know, casual factory, and here it was, I was going to visit a facility that manufactured weapons of mass destruction. Uh, so I had that. I, I worked for a while as a, a photographer and, and Photoshop tech for a Japanese massage textbook manufacturer and assisted other photographers working in their darkroom. And while none of those were necessarily the things that I would have chosen, they were all incredibly valuable because they give you that experience of repetition and working with clients and understanding the bigger picture of how you interact as a business with other businesses. And how long were you in, into that? Because I know you have your own business now, which you can tell us a little more about, but how did you segue into, you know, being out there working, you're willing, you're living primarily as a shooter and then come becoming a, a consultant. What was the choice that kind of led you to, to make that decision and, and why do what you're doing now? Well, a couple of things were, conscious and some of them were sort of forced. Uh, I'd, I'd been working for this Japanese massage, this textbook publisher, and uh, again it was starting to be where I'd, I'd cut the ties. Before that I'd been waiting tables on the side to make a living and, and I, I cut those ties and 
was just trying to make a living as a photographer through the assignments and a little bit of stock sales and working for this publisher. And he called me up one day and he said, I've run out of money. Don't come into work tomorrow. So I really had uh, some soul searching. And, and my grandfather actually was really uh, encouraging to say, just take this in stride and just go with it. Because it seemed like such a devastating drawback at the time. I had I didn't know how I was going to pay rent the next month. I didn't have any other assignments lined up. And so I started assisting other photographers working as a Photoshop tech in their their studios. So I was doing this work, and all the while I'd been operating under this assumption that all photographers know Photoshop really well. And once I found that that wasn't true, I started using the skills that I had as a photographer and as a Photoshop tech and started developing a series of lesson plans around that, was doing one-on-one training with photographers. And since then, it's just... It's just been this evolution to go from teaching one-on-one to small groups to writing the book and teaching workshops and giving seminars and lectures to doing the training and consulting today. It all focuses around helping to give a, a visual artist, whether they're a photographer or a designer, these tools to allow them to practice their craft more effectively. Yeah. And one of the benefits for you is that because you have contact with all these different types of photographers it must be a, a great learning experience for you to be able to collaborate and teach and work with you know some tech, uh, shooters you're absolutely right and that's that's been the real hidden benefit in doing all of this because i've been exposed to working with people that if I had continued as a photographer, I would have never gotten the opportunity to work with people like uh, Bert Fox and Kurt Mutchler, who are National Geographic photo editors, or Janet Reeves, who's the director of photography at the Rocky Mountain News, or working with Todd Heisler on his Pulitzer winning project a couple years ago. These were experiences I would have never had if I had been really closed in, in following that initial dream of being a travel and landscape photographer. But by following this path, as it just kind of unfolded, it allowed me to have these experiences and really learn more about photography through these really talented practitioners than I probably would have ever learned had I just been on my own. Yeah. Well, you're, you're really big into outdoor activities. You mentioned, um, you know, you do mountain biking, you do rock climbing, you do a whole variety of, 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 of you know, outdoor sports. And I think that provides you great opportunities to create images that, you know, that the layman wouldn't be able to capture. But I'm curious as to how the practice of, of being in those activities, of being really both being technically proficient but having fun with it, colors the way that you photograph or what you result. That's always a, a fine line of even the question of whether to bring a camera. Uh, most of the time that I'm out and outdoors, I don't want the photography to be an impediment to uh, the experience. You know, you don't necessarily bring your camera to photograph every every great meal that you sit down to because by experiencing it through the viewfinder instead of experiencing it in person, sometimes you get a different uh, you have a different experience from it. So. The, the question of whether to bring the camera f- is is an important one, and there are sometimes I just decide to leave it at home. But the more involved you are with your subject, so for me it would be mountain biking or climbing, 
I, I kind of know what to look for and I know where the nuances are and I know where the great places to, to be are. I know the angles. Uh, so that certainly infuses the photography and, and helps add an extra dimension to the photography because I know as a, as a practitioner and something that I love to do, I know what the experiences should look like or where the, the best moments for photography will be. And that's always a challenge as someone that's photographing a, a different sport or a, an experience from the outside. Yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting point because for me, sometimes I, I'll go to an event and I'll recognize that sometimes I'm separating myself from the experience as a result of having the camera with me. Mm -hmm. Other times the camera provides me the opportunity to get closer to it than, than, um, than I might be able to otherwise but I think one of the challenges for me a little, a little less so now than, than it was before is giving myself permission to be in the experience to be in the moment to joy where I am and not be so trophy oriented in terms of gotta get this picture gotta get that picture because I think that you lose you lose what could be the best part of the experience and that's just being in the experience and not being so fixated on just getting getting the graph it's a struggle for, for a, a, a lot of a lot of I'm just curious as to what it's like for you and how do you you know how do you put yourself in in that place of just being being present with the moment but still making making the graph that's a really good a good point that there are some times where having the camera pulls you into that even deeper than you might be without the camera. And I don't know that there really is a good a good rule of thumb or a good guideline for that. It's it's almost a case by case. It's probably a gut decision. That there are some times that I think, yeah, let's uh, having the camera will will enhance the situation. Other times that it might get in the way. One of, one of the questions about that I have is that you teach a lot of stuff, technical stuff, particularly with, with Photoshop and making images, and you work with a lot of photographers whose careers are all about making, making good photographs. Um, but I think one of the traps that people can get into is that they get lost in a technique, you know? They learn a new technique, and then they start applying it to almost all their images mm -hmm. without consideration of, well, what do you want to say? What yeah. do you want to do? do? And... You know, I think that you are always having that, having that in mind. Why? Why is that so? Why do you think that's so important? Particularly when we're, you know, with you know the 150,000 things that we can learn in, in Photoshop and Lightroom and Aperture and all these different things that are being thrown at us all the time. How do you keep from getting lost in, in all that? Yeah, getting lost in the, the vast deserts of Photoshop. <laughs> it's a, uh, it, it's such a big program that you you really can wander and wander and wander and never end up anywhere. But I think it, it, it again comes down to that fundamental of seeing and what is the story that you want to tell with this picture. And the clearer that you can be from the outset, you know, even when you're composing the photograph and exposing the photograph, what do you want to say? And so that will even sometimes knowing what I know in Photoshop will affect the way that I take the picture. But certainly once you are sitting down at the computer and you know, that this picture, I really like this picture, I want to make a nice print from it. It would be looking at what are the kind of what are the overall qualities of the photograph that you really want to bring out and enhance and show somebody. And even what are the subtleties uh, 
in color or in tone or in detail that you want to call someone's attention to. And by having that, that image in mind, that sort of to use a term from, from uh, darkroom photography, that pre-visualization of what, what it is that you want to say with this photograph and what it should look like, the clearer picture you can have in your mind before you ever start making any corrections, the easier the process will be and I think ultimately the more effective it will be. What's, what's the best moment that you've had as a result of being a photographer and having your camera? Wow. I think photographers are often asked, well, what's, the, what's the best picture you've ever made? But, you know, lately I've been thinking about the moments that I've had as a result of having a camera. And I was just like, and I thought you might be a good person to ask. What's the best moment of having my camera there? I don't think that I could even begin to pick just one, but a couple that sort of come to the surface uh, teaching this workshop in uh, Du Bois, Wyoming two years ago and being at the rodeo. And it's this amateur rodeo that the local townspeople come out and they all compete. And it was a late afternoon light and the dust from the rodeo was all getting kicked up and it made this this almost surreal, really soft, warm light that just enveloped everything. And some of the, my favorite pictures that I've taken recently were from that event because the experience and the, the energy that was there combined with the, the qualities of the light, combined with sort of, as you mentioned, I think, I got into it deeper because I had the camera. I was looking through the camera and isolating little parts of it. That was a, a really rich experience. Another one that, that comes to mind was this last summer, I was uh, helping to photograph uh, the Rocky Mountain Institute's 25th anniversary celebration. And RMI is a, an environmental think and do tank that, that do a lot of really, uh, really important projects related to preserving natural resources and efficiency and so forth and having the being a photographer gave me access to photograph and listen to the panel discussions from the keynote speaker of, of president clinton to george pataki the former governor of new york to people that i, I hadn't had experience listening to before like uh, a woman majora carter who uh, does a lot of kind of urban environment or urban renovation work in, uh, in the Bronx, I believe. And her passion and her inspiration that she brings to her work was certainly something that I could relate to in photography. And having a, a camera to get access to those places sometimes gives you, uh, gives you a pass to someplace that you would never get a chance to go see or do or listen. You know, position in your work and also being a, an Olympic, an Olympus uh, visionary, provides you an opportunity to work. Along, you know, and sometimes shoot along some some of the best photographers. What what is that like for you to be able to shoot alongside, you know, people like John Isaac and and and, and Jay Dickman and what's what opportunities did that provide you in terms of not only the images you produce but in terms of your way of seeing that that you've not had the opportunity to get otherwise. Well, certainly working alongside photographers like John Isaac and Jay Dickman and Jeffrey Aronson 
in a workshop environment where you get to spend some time with them and listen to their philosophies on photography and images and and, and just in life you can't you can't help but have some of that rub off on you so certainly the uh, the Olympus visionary program not only has given me the opportunity to work with some really outstanding equipment but to work with some really outstanding people and I think it's been a real a real gift to be able to interact with those people and build friendships with those photographers and I know that my photography has improved tremendously as a result of that hearing the experiences that they have and the way that they approach a shoot or just the way that that they see more than anything that a really good photographer I think sees the world differently and the more exposure that that you can have to that the better your photography will be and certainly I I know that that's been true for me it must be a challenge because I know you do a lot of traveling and a lot of teaching and even though you're immersed in the world of photography Ironically, it can be very difficult to find and create those opportunities to go and go and shoot. So how do you how do you balance that out? Because I know for me, sometimes I'm so overwhelmed by doing all these things in order to make sure there's a there's a check coming in the mail that, you know, I can go for very long periods of time, you know, and and not have the experience of making a good number of images. Though I have my camera all all the time. Sometimes it's a real challenge just to even pick it up and and shoot something because I'm so focused on yeah. getting from point A to point B. So how does that how does that work for you even though you're immersed in this every day of the week? Well you you hit the nail on the head is trying to find the balance. I know when, when I was in college I really wanted to be a, a climbing guide to take people out climbing and I thought, you know, there'd be nothing better in the world than being able to put my climbing shoes on and go climbing every day. And uh, some friends of mine who were climbing guides said you know, you're better off just getting a regular job and, and having money so that you can go climbing in your free time so that you don't regret uh, putting on your climbing shoes. You don't see it as a chore. And fortunately, photography has never become a chore for me, but it is difficult to find time to get out and take pictures. You go give a lecture in, in uh, you know, another state or you're doing a class. And I, I always bring my camera gear with me, but there are often aren't enough hours in the day to get out of the hotel where the conference is or where the training is conducted. And so I have to consciously find time to do that. And that's something that I'm continually working on and trying to make time for and generate self-assignments. And I think it again comes back down to that passion of what do you want to do with your time, that there are, you're always going to be limited in what you can do. You know, I'd love to learn guitar or I'd, love to get better at speaking French or Spanish, but I have to prioritize what it is that I do. So maybe instead of uh, spending time watching a movie or, or watching a TV show, maybe I'll go out because the light's really good. I'll just grab my camera and go try and find some pictures in the neighborhood or carving out a little bit of time when I go on a vacation. Uh, like next week, I'm going to go to Moab with my wife and some friends, and we're going to go mountain biking and do a little bit of climbing and it's really important to me that I take some early mornings or some late evenings to get out and shoot in Canyonlands or Arches or even just in and around the Moab area because I, I love being behind the camera and I don't get to do enough of it. Yeah. I think it really comes down to giving yourself permission to go out and play, to just have fun. I think we're just, we're just such a society that, that feels like everything, every moment of your time has to be productive. 
you know that hey, you have to have something quantifiable at the at the end that you really have to go go and just be childlike and just go i'm just going to go out and play i'm just going to have fun and sort of nurture your, your your soul as a result otherwise you know you lose out on on, on so much absolutely and that's when you're going to take the best pictures too it's kind of the irony of it is when you really have this intensity of i really want to go make a great picture you're not seeing well you're overthinking it and you don't just relax into it and let it happen uh maybe that's the the dow of photography is the more you seek out taking a great picture the more elusive it's going to be when you just kind of relax and like you said go play let's just let your creativity wander and let your eyes just really look at the light i think you'll be drawn more toward the great subjects and those great that great light and you're seeing at a deeper level which makes better pictures okay so how, so how do you do that because i know i've been in that very same spot i have my camera i'm out there i'm looking around and all of a sudden i'm just not i'm not seeing anything I'm going, looking around me, go, God, there's nothing, to, there's nothing to photograph. And I know that's largely because I'm thinking out of my head, you know. I'm making sort of judgments about what I'm seeing rather than just seeing it. So when you get, when you get into, that, into that mindset, you know, what do you do in order to get yourself out of it and to be more in, in that zone where you're open to what's happening and you are able to make those, those good photographs? Well, I think we've all had the experience where or at some place like St. Louis Arch or, you know, standing in El Capitan Meadows in Yosemite and we say, we want to make a great picture of, of this. We have an idea of what we want to take a picture of. But in, oftentimes we'll be there at the wrong point of day or the light won't be right or something won't be coming together and you start to get frustrated. And so I think for me, the first thing is maybe starting with that idea but being willing to let go of it and just improvise and see what's there. The other thing that I try and do is take my camera and just walk around a little bit. Spend five minutes kind of breaking that that pattern of productivity, like you said, where you have to have every moment be productive. Taking just a few minutes and letting yourself relax and just observe, not even pick up the camera yet. Just look at what's happening. Look at where the light is. Look at where the shadows are. Look at what the quality of light is. And then from there, you start to slow down and you start to see a little bit deeper. It's, it's breaking that, that, that initial mental cycle of, of productivity and expectations and just going with it. Hmm. What's, what's for you the most gratifying thing about teaching others f- photography? What makes you happy? What's the, what's, what's the happiest thing that you feel when, or that you, you have an opportunity to witness when you're, you're sharing, sharing with someone else what you know? That, that, that aha moment where I'll teach, somebody, I'll teach somebody how to use, let's say, layer masks or burning and dodging or sharpening, and there's an expression. You can see it really clearly on someone's face that when they understand what that technique is, and more importantly, they extrapolate into all the different ways that it's going to help them tell their story, that there's this light that goes on in their face and they, their eyes get big. And that to me is the most gratifying because I know that I've given them something that they're going to use on a daily basis. And I see it as a way of, of really trying to give back to the world of art through my career that 
the more clearly visual artists can articulate their ideas and their dreams and their visions, if I can in some small way facilitate that, then that's the most rewarding part of my job by far. As you know, as you listen to the show, the last question I ask is that for the photographer to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore. So who would that be for you and why? I forgot that you always ask that question. I should have been more prepared for that one. Uh, who would I recommend? Do I have to pick just one? Well, I try to narrow people down to just one, but uh, see what you can do. Well, I'll, I'll narrow it down to one that... Uh, really stood out recently. And this is a photographer, Ed, Ed Bertinsky. I'm not sure I'm, I'm pronouncing his name right, but I watched a, a lecture that he gave at the, the TED conference. And his photographs are really focused on the changing landscape and the changing environment. So he has these these really beautiful fine art photographs of quarries or mines and he spent a lot of time recently photographing the changes in china and some of them are uh, they're they're dystopias in some respects of these endless lines of uh sewing machines in a in a factory or the skyscrapers that are surrounding this traditional community where there might be one person who refuses to sell their land but I really was struck by his clarity of vision, the consistency of vision, and I, I really saw that the social commentary was an extension of himself in his photographs. So if I had to pick one right now, I think he would be the person that I would pick. Oh, I look forward to checking out more of his work. Yeah, I'll send you some links to the, uh, to the conference. Awesome, awesome. Well, Jay, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for joining me for another episode. If you have any comments or suggestions, email me at thecandidframe at gmail.com or post a message on the blog at thecandidframe.com. Till next time, this is Ivarian X. Perello, and this is The Candid Frame. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com photocastnetwork.com